0: Welcome to the Switching Gear podcast that tells the story of four apparel brands on their journey to launch rental and resale business models. The last step of a design sprint process is to design a prototype and validate this with users. This method involves producing an early, inexpensive and scaled down version of your product or service. And the purpose of a prototype may be multifold. You can use them to communicate your concept to the target user and explore and evaluate how they respond to it. You can use them to quickly identify and test important aspects of your concept in order to pinpoint operational challenges and explore alternative solutions. Or you may use them to enhance internal collaboration around a project by presenting, persuading or inspiring teams with a sneak preview of the concept in action. Whatever it may be that you want to test, The overall goal is to collect data and to learn.
1: Why is there a need to test? Most new ideas will fail, even if competently executed. Just take a look at the Google Graveyard or the Microsoft Morgue. According to research, the majority of new products or services fail because of the wrong premise. That is to say, because the market doesn't care. In the words of Google's innovator agitator, Alberto Savoya, Most new ideas fail because they are not the right it. And we must make sure we are building the right it before we build it right. The right it is an idea that, if competently executed, will succeed in the market. As opposed to the wrong it, an idea that, even if competently executed, will fail in the market.
0: So how do you determine if your concept is the right it? Simple. Whatever you do, don't ask people if it's the right it. If you tell other people about your idea, all you will get back are questions and opinions. And opinions are subjective and biased. Instead, depend on the data. There are two types, other people's and your own. Don't trust other people's data. Just because other companies have succeeded or failed doesn't mean the same will apply to you. So collect your own market data and ensure that it is local, recent, rigorous and with skin in the game. Building a prototype with skin in the game means building a prototype that requires the market's time, money or commitment and therefore puts something at risk for them. As Alberto says, it's much easier to get people to open their mouths than to open their wallet. If traditional market research asks, if we build it, will you buy it? Prototype research says, if you buy it, we will build
1: it. All of our brands saw the importance of prototyping at this stage in the process. For Asket, the core value was in giving them the assurance that their concept, which was built off of consumer insights gathered via surveys and interviews, was on the right track.
2: Obviously, we were asking very hypothetical questions to our customers, and it's very hard uh, in any sort of surveying or research situation to actually demo Uh, and get a really unbiased and representative view on how a customer might act. So, you know, we're considering doing this offline first. uh, And if you actually then see in a nice setting in our offline location, um, the uh, refurbished or or cleaned up goods hanging there at a considerably uh, lower price point, I think at that point, then even the customer that right now is saying, you know, it's not interesting to me Um, would perhaps reconsider uh, if you can actually touch, feel uh, the garment and and put it on. Um, I think then uh, the situation will look quite different uh, from if you just ask that hypothetical question up front without seeing the whole concept and being able to touch and feel it.
1: Lindex had some experience in testing apps and products, but on a much larger scale. Nevertheless, they recognized the value of agile development and were excited to get their hands dirty.
3: Yeah, I think it's really important to move away from intention to action behavior, to find that data. So we have been doing that before. We have tested different types of features. I mean, we have been into, for example, with our customer app We have thoughts about what type of features and then we have tried to make a very, the first solution, a very small solution, trying to get it out there to get the feedback. So this type of way of working uh, in an agile way is is, uh, what we have been doing digitally, but we have not done that so much in the store. So I think that's really a difference. So I think this was the first time we did that type of testing uh, in relation to customers in the stores where we don't, where we just did a small thing. Uh, and for, for a limited time period. Meanwhile, for Koyuchi, prototyping was an
1: entirely different experience. As a small and ambitious brand, they are used to developing and launching new products and services on a regular basis. But they do not usually test these ideas in the market first.
4: We're really an ad hoc company. So normally we really just start a process and we check if it works, if it doesn't work or it's too much work, then we start into something new. I think that's a little bit the way that we do this. Uh, so this is really a more spread out way of thinking for uh, about something for a longer time and really uh, defining uh, something before you start doing something. And um, yeah, that's really has its charm as well because then you can also consider different kind of approaches before you start doing uh, one of them. So, yeah, it's not the way that Gucci normally works, but it's a nice addition to it. Yeah. (laughs) So all the
0: brands were keen to start, but how do you know what to test? The scale of a prototype can vary. A prototype can focus on the holistic end-to-end customer experience or a single step within that journey, or it can zoom in on a specific backstage process issue or technology. What's more important than the scale of the test, however, is the hypothesis behind it. Without this clearly identified, you cannot determine if your prototype is a success. So you need to turn your concept into an objective and testable market engagement hypothesis. For example, if your concept is rentable ski gear, your market engagement hypothesis might be at least 15% of ski hobbyists need ski clothing for a few weeks of the year, and would rent ski jackets and boots for a daily fixed
1: fee of 10 euro. Lindex wanted to test both take-back and resale, and so built two distinct market hypotheses, one for the seller and one for the buyer. But making the take-back hypothesis quantifiable and testable was tricky, as we will hear.
5: We made an assumption of uh, the number of customers that would return uh, garments, both in-store And then later we made an assumption of how many customers would um, return online. Uh, We also wanted to understand more about the incentive for um, handing in garments. Uh, We wanted to understand if they were willing to send in good condition garments against an initiative because we were looking at this segment like good condition, new seasons. We That was what our offer was in this collection. And then, of course, we wanted to measure later on uh, customers' interests in purchasing secondhand in our stores um, against the price level that we had benchmarked. Uh, and later on, this is also something that we adjusted. So. We have tested two price levels.
3: I mean, we had no data whatsoever about that part. So that was really tricky. And maybe we're a bit uh, overly positive uh, regarding, I mean, the it, it take back part. Uh, but was very pleasantly surprised on the selling part, on the other hand. So you know, different challenges there. But as Annette said, very hard to estimate uh, when you don't have any clue from, to start with nothing to base your assumptions on. So it was more common sense and uh, and, uh, discussion. Once you have
1: a solid hypothesis of what you wish to test, you must determine how you are going to test. We tend to think of prototypes as scaled-down versions of a pilot, but there are in fact multiple prototype methods, such as fake doors, mechanical turks, Pinocchios, and many more. All of these prototype methods help you to test and validate your idea with real people, in real situations, without actually building anything yet. Our brands used a combination of methods based on the hypothesis they wanted to test.
0: Kriichi were keen to test the initial level of interest in take-back, but wanted to keep cost and effort low. So they opted on using a fake door method.
4: Well, the concept that we wanted to test was really Uh, the part of the give-back consumer to also see, because one of our main challenges uh, is getting volume back. So we wanted to test, okay, how are people going to react uh, to this kind of uh, message that we will be spreading? Um, So it was really about, okay, um, we want to know uh, how do people want to give back? Do they want to give back through uh, postal services, uh, through retailer um, what are they going to give back? Will they give back uh, multiple items or not? Uh, is it still wearable? Do it, does it need any repairs? Um, these kind of questions was, were really the things that we wanted to prototype. Um, so for this, um, we chose to do like a mock-up on the site um, that people could leave behind their contact details and uh, would fill in these questions that we had. So we would get a grasp on what kind of customer is, what kind of products we will get back. Yeah, so that is the way we started to, to prototype.
0: we were also primarily interested in understanding the take-back aspect of their concept.
6: What we wanted to test initially uh, was the uh, the resale side of, or the seller side. Uh, so we wanted to test, uh, how, you know, How willing uh, are our customers to actually go through the hassle of sending something back to us? Uh, So what we did, we set up basically a simple uh, one-week take-back trial. Uh, We we selected, uh, I think it was roughly 2,000 customers or 1,500 customers split over Sweden and Germany. Um, that we invited to take part in this via email. Uh, so we had selected customers who had garments uh, for for more than two years uh, minimum, and then um, they got the chance then to um, to yeah they were offered to send their garments back. Um, we had three different tiers of rewards, so we wanted to test you know how how do people respond to to different incentives? Is there an actual difference in participation? Um, and then they would basically go to our page. We had a, a small uh, landing page that described a bit more about the program, uh, where you would sign up, at which point you get a, a return slip. Uh, and then they could hand in their parcel and send it back to us. And then they would get their reward once we got it back. So it was, you know, very close in one way to what it would look like or what the steps would be. Um but at the same time, of course, a lot less integrated than what we wanted to be in the end. Uh, so that was uh, yeah, the basics of the test.
0: In order to get the most valuable feedback, they opted against methods such as Fake Door, as they wanted their prototype to be as real as possible, so as to avoid disappointing their customers with an artificial promise, and also to get a real impression of the quality of the clothes that they'd take back.
6: Well setting it up for us was quite easy. So then we felt you know if that's not a big issue, it's something we can handle manually uh, and we have all the infrastructure for uh, then actually having that skin in the game is what we wanted to see. So we since all of the other things we had to research was just you know uh, preferences or theoretical interests, uh, you know how likely are you to uh, do this or that? We really wanted to see, you know, would the customer put their money where their mouth is uh, or or not? So I think that was the most important reason why we wanted to do it. Basically, same structure on the customer side of it. Uh, and then as well, what we what we found or what we thought was, you know, it also limits the downside of if you put up a fake door or something like that, there will be some customer disappointment, uh, so here we could avoid that sort of thing where you know you let people register but then you have to let them know this is actually not a feature right now um, so so those were the main main reasons
2: i think there's also the fact of actually testing it all the way through in terms of the sell, seller or supply side if you will so not just uh, gauging participation rate but the actual whole funnel from saying, yes, I want to participate to requesting a label to actually sending something in and to seeing if what was sent in matches the description or the rating of the garments by the customer um, and um, to gauge the sort of resellable rate of the garments that uh, we received. So um, it gave us a, a much richer um, um, yeah, richer experience than, than if we would have tried to uh, simulate it.
0: Meanwhile, Lindex were incredibly ambitious and wanted to test the full process from take-back to processing to eventual resale. So they used a combination of real-life prototyping and fake door to test their hypothesis.
5: We wanted to test um, both collection and uh, sales in this uh, prototype and uh, As um, I think we've already mentioned, we were focusing on kids' outerwear. And uh, we decided um, to kind of narrow it down that we would collect only Lindex and uh, only um, good condition, uh, only winter and only outerwear, uh, like outer layer. So um, initially... We wanted to start this in two stores and we wanted to set it up in stores that was close to our office so that we could manage it (laughs) and also very closely follow the results and everything. So both from support and and feedback. And um, we had an idea to also have a fake solution for collecting online to understand the interest this later on turned out to be a wide open door, <laughs> from fake door to wide open door. But uh, yeah, so we, we also later on in the in the pilot opened a uh, collection online. We started by sending out emails to our members club, but this was also expanded along the way, both to um, newsletters and websites and social posts. We started collecting two weeks prior to when we started to save sale and we started collecting uh first in the head office just to have like a startup and then we collected in these two stores and then we opened online collection and uh, one week later we opened sales as well in one store and it has been running now the sales for three weeks and and we actually haven't closed the test yet (laughs) so we're still learning (laughs)
1: Doing a test is all about the learnings. If you learn valuable things, the prototype was a success, even if it failed to validate your hypothesis. So what did our brands learn? And did the prototype actually go as planned?
0: They learned a lot, actually, but for sure it didn't go according to their expectation. But that's exactly why you test, of course. It was really interesting to see that Asket, Koochee and Lindex all struggled with the same issue for takeback the low level of participation of customers in sending in used garments. For Koichi, this low level of participation made them rethink their initial idea for a resale model.
4: I think prototyping for us was a little bit uh, difficult as well because um, the responses were not that major. Um, For us, it was also something that we didn't want to push too much because we were not ready yet to live up to the expectations that people get when we start spreading it really, really broadly. Uh, So we kept it small, and in that way, you also get a small uh, amount of replies, of course. Um, So our expectations were not really on the volume, but but it was uh, really about, okay, how many people uh, have seen this and how many reactions do we get in? So we can see already uh, how hard we have to push for uh, a uh, resum to get back the genes. So that gave us already... Um, an indication, okay, we, for now, in the beginning of this project, we will not expect that big volume, so we have to adapt our business model also on smaller volumes. So how are we going to work with that? And, of course, we hope that over the years uh, this is better known and that we can grow towards the ideal business model that we also have sketched.
1: For Asket, it became clear that even the slightest hiccup in logistics caused customers to drop off. To optimize conversion in their pilot, they therefore need to make sure the whole process for the customer is super
6: smooth. I mean, I think we should be brutally honest and say that what didn't go well, which is the disheartening fact of it, is the participation. Um, so we had very low participation uh, in the end. Um, I think actual customers sending something in was something like. Uh, 15 uh, or so. So let's say that's then uh, 1% compared to the, uh, then at least in the business case at that point, we had 10% uh, or more. Um, So that was one fact. Um, Then we also had some more operational issues in Sweden with the return label not working as well as we'd hoped, uh, which also caused a little bit of a downturn in. Uh, the, uh, the conversion rates. And so some people dropped off at that point because it just became inconvenient for them. Obviously convenience, the importance of that, we knew before, but it really highlighted that, that the, the slightest, uh, slightest inconvenience will get people to drop off at a pretty high rates.
1: For Lindex, the low participation in take-back made them realize that they need to dive deeper with their customers in order to understand the reasons for this. They also realized that timing and pricing of second-hand sales in relation to their regular new product sales is very important and that they must think on how to align the two.
5: A few learnings that we did was that we need to make uh, the collection much more easier for, for customers to hand in. We have to elaborate much more on this. Um, we have to sharpen the incentive uh, for turning in and we have to understand more about the in- incentive uh, the test is not finished yet. We still have a questionnaire and interviews uh, in this um, area. Um, and uh, we need to understand our target customer much more to understand how to, to get the, uh, the products that we want to have. <laughs> and uh, then we have to work more on the sales levels. Uh, this cannot be as static. Uh, we need to stretch it and evaluate more closely. We need to think about just-in-time products, as as we were into before, we have to follow the sales curves, uh, and we 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 know this from our core business. But same thinking applies, of course, to this new business as well. Um, and then I think we need to find or elaborate more on kind of the service level breakpoint for every product, to be more precise on the business case.
1: Both Asket and Lindex physically took back garments from their customers as part of the prototype, and both were able to collect enough garments to get an initial idea of the quality level coming back. This is key because the resellable rate, which means the number of garments coming back that are suitable for resale, is a key driver in the overall business case. The more resellable items you can collect, the better. Asket got a lot of t-shirts back, which are actually not the best for resale. They therefore needed to design an optimal incentive structure—one that is simple and high enough to help get reselling customers to participate, but also low enough to ensure that the business case is still financially feasible.
6: I think we did get enough garments in to at least get a first feel of what are people sending back, what's the what's the status of these garments uh, based on how long they've had them, um, and, and a, an understanding uh, of the the inventory we can expect, which um, I would say looked roughly like we imagined it. Uh, but I think what what was um, uh, surprising was the T-shirts. Uh, maybe not so surprising after the fact, but that for one, it was the, the major driver of volume being sent back. And that makes sense because three years back or more, we sold mainly T-shirts. Uh, but also then... We, we really see that T-shirts coming back after that amount of years, although they're still, maybe they hold up, but they're not, uh, they're not uh, top quality. There's always a, a significant sign of wear if you compare to a, an Oxford shirt, for instance, or knitwear that I think age is better or is more attractive to a customer secondhand in the way that they come back. Uh, so that was also learning.
0: Lindex was positively surprised about the quality coming back and the success of the resale itself. For them, it was a sign that they might be able to increase the resale price for these good quality items and improve their business case from a revenue perspective.
5: One of the insights, I I start with the positive, (laughs) and uh, that was that the sales was a huge success. Uh, the interest in purchasing secondhand in our stores was uh, much higher than expected, but at the same time the collection, uh, which must, was much harder than expected, so um, uh, this is something we have to look into more. And this is also why we decided to open the online collection um, as we went along to get the test going. Uh, another positive was that the quality. Uh, quality-wise, I think the products that came in the, looked really, really good. We, we actually received over 10-year-old <laughs> garments and, and the quality was still intact.
0: So what were some of the other learnings that the brands took away from prototyping?
1: For Kuyuchi, the prototyping confirmed that a combination of resale and upcycling is the way to go. Kuyuchi have been around for a long time, and so there's plenty of Kuyuchi product in circulation that they could take back. However, their core goal of taking responsibility at end of life, combined with the limited participation in the test, confirmed for them that they will start with a resale model that is focused on upcycling used garments to create unique items.
4: The importance for Kuyuchi is really that we want to take that responsibility for the end product. and. Um that's really core. That was also the goal from the beginning. So um, for us, it's really about, okay, we want to take this responsibility and we want to do something awesome with it. So right now, it's really about those unique items that we do upsell. So it's uh, we involve a designer with it and we make sure that these are items that you want to have. Um, but it's not a, a normal resale model where you uh, have uh, reduced price for a an, an second-hand item so um, yeah it's really for us it's about uh, image as well so being known like okay with Koichi if you wear your Koichi you can return it uh, so I don't have to bear the burden of where my clothes end up uh, I think that's uh, the core
1: and while prototyping is a very powerful tool it can also be constrained by design because it has to be done in a set limited time frame for example or because you cannot communicate about it in a way that you would do when it's fully launched.
0: This was the case for Asket. The prototype really showed them that the resale model fits seamlessly into their existing business model, and should also be presented as such. They are confident that when the time constraint is gone, and the communication is more integrated, that they'll be able to drive participation up.
6: I think one of the things that it really showed that we didn't have was the whole communication aspect of tying it into being a natural part of our journey, it's something that you actually heard of when you placed your order originally and also not have to do within a set 7-day uh, time frame because that's when we asked the people who didn't hand in stuff. That was a major um, major part of the reasoning for those who actually had something to send back.
2: I think the the major change is on the communication end um, to uh, in the markets where we will pilot the take back program to build this into our communication seamlessly. So you know if right now uh, if you go to our website and uh, you know you can see um, shop you can see uh, transparency, learning about where your garments come from, and you can see garment care, how to take care of your garments, and just putting take back into that top hierarchy. Uh, So, you know, uh, then the the communication all of a sudden becomes, you know, buy less, buy better, know where your stuff comes from, care for it longer, and take care of it in an appropriate way when you're done. Um, Seeing that sort of um, that uh, journey uh, that we offer and that we invite our customers onto, uh, the first thing you do when you come to our website uh, is going to be a major uh, sort of educational boost um, that when you start uh, and when you join the Ask it Family as a customer, uh, this is the route that we suggest that we set out uh, for you and your wardrobe, basically. Um, I think that's going to be a huge boost.
6: So I think that difference to maybe what we might have imagined beforehand, that maybe this was something that could be, even in a pilot, slightly sneaked in, or you know, maybe not too much uh, budget and content behind. That's uh, definitely something that's, changed now, uh, where it's, I think it will have to be launched sort of full-on um, in, in communication-wise. Um, then maybe we can have the back end of it more um, uh, more touch-and-go, sort of more manual in the beginning. Uh, but front-end-wise, it has to look uh, and feel like this is you know, a project for the long-term uh, and a serious effort on our end.
0: Another important learning for the LINDEX team was more on the operational side. Prototype is a great way to learn how customers interact with a new model or product. But it's also an opportunity to figure out what new processes, systems or partners are needed and how to organize these in the best way. We had
5: not anticipated that level of uh, uh, how much we would need to wash. So this was a a challenge. So I had to start also washing service in our office. This is interesting. But uh, yeah, so in in combination, uh, the level of garments coming in and um, that um, at least half of it needed to be washed. We also saw that uh, the older the garments that were collected, the more service and the more was needed um, in terms of washing as well and scrubbing and time to to make them in shape again Uh, uh, together with that the sales value of course is not as good when it comes to older garments
0: I think we also must emphasize that all the brands did this testing in the midst of a global pandemic and it's really amazing that they made it happen let's hear from Lindex who reflect on it
7: I wasn't part of the start of the journey, so I couldn't be proud, but I am super proud to be aboard of this project and uh, seeing it uh, going forward. But I think there's two points for me as well. But one point was in April, May, I think, because I know you and the team, you know, we were actually looking at, I said, a bigger scope or different opportunity, actually, and and, and went quite a long, long way with that concept idea. But just stopping and just it was really like, hold it. We're in the middle of a crisis situation. We have to make this happen. How can we make it happen? We have to shift. So in one day, we just shifted the idea that really we have to bring something totally different to the table. It has to be really with what we have going today and make something out of it. So I'm really proud of that day. It was for me, it's like, whoosh, really, it broke. And then we moved forward. And we that's the only reason why we could sit here, prototype test. We couldn't really test the other idea we had. Uh, so I really, yeah, I'm really proud of that. And also the test. I mean, the team has just been performing magic. It's like really mission impossible on the hours we've had and to make it happen. And it's real and it's out there and people are seeing it and we're talking about it. It's fantastic. And we're learning day by day.
1: For many apparel brands, prototyping is still quite a foreign method. But as seen, prototyping is absolutely essential to validate if your concept is what your target group wants. If it's the right it. Designing a prototype forces you to think about what it actually is that you want to test and make explicit what success looks like. And to really test well, there needs to be skin in the game for your customers. A questionnaire is not going to do the trick. You should also bear in mind that the prototype results on their own are informative, but that there's much more to learn. If something works really well, what aspect do your customers love? If it doesn't work, what aspects don't they like? Just looking at the results doesn't tell you that. Doing follow-up questionnaires and interviews, therefore, is for sure a good idea. When you do make the effort to design and execute a good prototype, the test will always be successful because you will achieve your main goal. To learn. And of course, this process of learning should not stop there. It's iterative. So make sure you keep capturing data as you progress to your pilot and even when you start to scale up. This concludes episode three of the Switching Gear podcast.
0: We hope it gave you a better understanding of the value of prototyping in a business model innovation journey like this, and that might even inspire or empower you to apply this method yourself. Keep in mind that learning is the highest goal, so make sure that you capture all the data and observations coming from your tests. In episode four, we will talk about fine-tuning the business model. Now that the brands have a clearer picture of how their concept will work in reality, it's time to understand it in finer detail. What processes, what systems and capabilities are needed to bring your value proposition to life in preparation for the pilot launch? So join us next time where we will hear from our brands as they uncover the devil that's in the detail.
2: The Switching Gear podcast was made possible thanks to the generous support of the Foundation. The podcast is part of the Circular Toolbox for Apparel Brands. If you are interested in developing and launching a resale or rental model of your own, the toolbox will guide you step-by-step step through the same innovation process the brands in this podcast have gone through including all the workshop materials you'll need and a wealth of tips and tricks to support you on your journey. Go to thecirculartoolbox.com to learn more.